What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, my divine being, and welcome to this week's episode of Confessions of a New Age Goddess. As always, I'm the New Age Goddess herself, Melissa. Joining me today is Eleanor Wagner. Eleanor is an author and the founder of Lady Ghostbusters. The team's mission statement of Lady Ghostbusters has always been to help people and the ghosts they encounter so that they are all acknowledged and any situation can be comfortably resolved. We must also include respect, understanding, helpfulness, and guidance amongst each other, which is the core. And also they help the, uh, the older members, help the younger members really make them feel a part of something important. So Eleanor, welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Likewise, likewise. So Eleanor, where in the world are you joining us from? I'm in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, uh, farmland with cows and horses and a lot of wildlife in the mountains. <laughs> I like it. And I like how like, that's not like the first thing you think of when you think of New Jersey, but it is. Exactly. Yeah. You no, know? yeah, totally. It's not. Oh, I love that. Um, but yeah, Eleanor, if you could kind of, you know, introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are and, and what you do. Sure. I'm a writer and a published author. I've been writing since I was a kid, but I published my first book in 2015, which is a paranormal romance. When I got diverted in attention to doing stories on true ghostly accounts in the county where I currently live. I'm that type of person that goes to a vacation site. And the first thing I look for is the nearest bookstore. And then I look for the books that talk about the ghostly hauntings of the area. So I know everybody likes a good ghost story around the campfire. So I thought, "Mm, I know Sussex County is haunted because I used to own a little shop in town that was haunted. And I thought, I wonder if other people in the community would like to share their stories. So I put it out on social media and then they just came out of the woodwork. And before I knew it, I was writing a book about the hauntings in this county. And from that, People were asking for people to come in to do investigations in their home to let them know what was going on in their home. And so I founded the Lady Ghostbusters Paranormal Investigative Team to do just that. Perfect, perfect. And yeah, I like how that came together so organically for you. Like you were kind of like, hmm, I wonder if anyone else has stories because I have a story. And if we could kind of all like partner together, um, then we can kind of see what gets creative out of that. So that's pretty cool. And would you say, you know, that was really the foundation of how you got into the paranormal world? Or was it even farther back than that? Yeah, Melissa, I've been sensitive ever since I was a kid. So I've I've been able to feel um, spirit since that, and I've seen spirit. So it wasn't new territory for me. I've always been interested in the paranormal and ghost stories. That was just right down my line. I mean, I grew up at the age of Stephen King and Dean Mm -hmm. Koontz and John Saul, and that's all I ever read as a teen. So um, it was a no-brainer that I was going to be involved in that some way, some 
shape, some form as I got older. And so because I am sensitive, it was just natural that I would end up in that direction. Yeah, because I feel like to get to the level that you are at now, it's more than just mere curiosity. You know, it's more than just, oh, I had this one silly experience and, you know, um, I kind of dived in from that. So I kind of figured it was probably a childhood thing that you've carried on throughout your whole life. Um, Can you really discuss a little bit about, you know, the first occurrence you had as a child or just kind of little breadcrumbing that led you to where you are now in terms of experiences? I was about five years old when I first saw the spirit in the house that I had grown up in, in the Bronx in New York City. Mm -hmm. And he only stayed on the main level floor where my bedroom was at the time. So I, it was probably a period of four years every night that I would see him. And I was a kid, I was afraid, I didn't know what it was all about. And so now I tell people if I could go back to that home and visit that spirit now and tell him, I'm sorry, I know you were just trying to get my attention and, and, and give him that acknowledgement, I would, but I was a kid, I was terrified. And my mom, not that she wasn't a believer, because she was pretty, pretty much a believer of a lot of things I would have thought that most people would say, oh, I don't believe that. She was very superstitious in that sense. She just poo-pooed it and said, no, it was a dream. It was a dream. So, you know, what am I going to do? She's not believing me. And it wasn't until I was able to take the bedroom downstairs in the basement that I didn't see him anymore Mm. because he only stayed on that main level. And that was the first indication that I was able to sense and feel spirit. And I didn't really understand it until I got older. And then I started having premonitions here and there of things So I knew I was gifted in some way, and it's not prevalent in my family that I know of. Only my older sister has ever spoken about seeing spirit and would share the stories with me that she had encountered. So it wasn't like I'm one of those people that can say, oh, my mom was sensitive and her mom was sensitive because I have no clue. My mom never talked about it Yeah, if she was. So um, the only verification I have is that of my sister. And it was the extent of her just telling ghost stories. So that's, it is what it is. <laughs> right, right. No, and I did like how you said it now. And then you also said it in your mission statement about acknowledging the spirits, right? Because I just, in any other story that. You froze up there. So I didn't oh, hear anything oh, that you said for a bit. <laughs> no worries at all. No worries at all. I did. What I said was basically, I like that you said in your mission statement. And then also earlier on that the spirits want to be acknowledged. Um, you know, because that's what I've heard many times over, you know, when I've spoken to other people who communicate with ghosts and spirits and, oh, you know, they're knocking stuff down and what have you, they want that sense of acknowledgement. And once that happens, okay, now maybe it's not as scary or now maybe they've come down a little bit because they still, you know, are an energy. They still are a presence and they're obviously doing it for some reason, whether it be good or bad, we don't know, but you know, it still is important either way to give that sense of acknowledgement. So the best things that the best things to know, two things is that they were humans once. Yeah. So that doesn't differ when they're dead. They're still human in death. And so even if the personalities go with them as well. So if they were like nasty in life, they're going to be nasty in death. If they're really loving and kind in life, they're going to be that way in death. So that's one thing to remember. And then the other thing is I liken it to somebody like me, a city girl moving into the country. Okay. I'm coming into the country. I'm not taking over and it's not my place that I'm going to do what I want. 
I'm coming into wildlife. I need to adjust my lifestyle to conform with the wildlife that I'm living in because they were here before I was. So I need to be able to live with them. And the same things with a ghost. You go into a house, that ghost has been there before you. This is their space. And so they're confused. And if you start, which most of the time happens, if there's renovations going on, you'll see an, an uplift of activity because things are being moved around and you're in their space and they don't know what's going on. So if you acknowledge them and explain to them, hey, thank you for allowing me into your home. I want to beautify it and make it what you had and make them feel included. It does a world of good. It makes a world of a difference in being able to live in 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 a in comfortable situation, so to speak, with spirit. Yeah, because to your point, you you still need to coexist, and you know it kind of also reminds me of let's say when you move and you bring a pet with you, and they're like, "Oh, where do I even go to the bathroom? I don't know," you know, and it's kind of you know <laughs> that sense of getting acclimated, but you know, you communicate to your pet, you train them. Okay. This is the spot you go to and what have you so that they feel comfortable to this new adjustment as well. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of all goes off of that same vein. Yes. And, yeah. And, and another thing I noticed too, is um, I was working with someone and they were having a deceased relative come in spirit form and moving stuff around and all of this in their house. And I remember telling them uh-huh. that I yeah, this person wants the spirit wants to be acknowledged. And there was a lot of things going on in their family that they knew when that family member was alive, they didn't like it. So they okay, were like, so that made them, oh, yeah. that made them aware of who it was just by that happening. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. And they were kind of like, Hey, you know, um, I said, you know, acknowledge that person because I still are a member of the family. I know they maybe partially crossed over what have you, but that's why they're doing this. So, you know, you could kind of even calm them down to a sense with just, you know, hearing them out if, if they were open to it. I like to treat those, those visits from deceased loved ones, not as ghostly visitations, as in their own right, visits from your deceased loved ones. Because what I explained to spirit, we all always try to move that spirit along into the light. And we explain to them, if you go into the light, you can come back and visit anytime you want. That's the benefit of it. But if you don't go into the light, you're stuck here and you don't get to go anywhere else but here. And so oftentimes that'll help them go to the light, especially if they have um, a hesitation because of a fear of being judged or unaccepted on the other side. You explain to them there's just love and acceptance on the other side. Those visits from deceased loved ones are just such cool, poignant stories. And a lot of the times they'll come back around significant dates, birth dates, or maybe the date of their death, or maybe a child has been born into the house and they're going to have a christening or something like that, that brings them back to spend that quality time with you. And it's really nice when you do get that, that feeling that they're around or they do something to say, Hey, I'm here because I know mostly everybody in my family that's since passed on in life had said to me, if I can make you know that I'm okay, I will. Right. And so many of them have. And, and, and I love that we had spoken about that before they passed away, because then I knew what to look for once they were gone. Yeah. So I love those visits. Yeah. That confirmation, right. That's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. Well. And it was good that you discussed it, discussed it ahead of time. 
Um, but yeah, to your point, there's some ghosts that are spirits that if you tell them it's okay to cross over, it's okay to go to the light, then they do it. Cause some, I know some people or some spirits are confused, right? But I do know, and I don't know if you agree with this, that some do know that they have the opportunity to go to the light and decide to stay in limbo. Um, have you experienced this? What, what are some of the reasons why spirits do that? If you have experienced that, this. I don't know if it's considered limbo. In, in my opinion, limbo is a place where nothing happens. I mm. feel like if they stay behind, they're just living their life here in death. And they do choose to do that. I mean, we a perfect example is my team had did an investigation in the Ogdensburg mines, Sterling Hill mines in Ogdensburg, New Jersey. Hmm. They've been on, it's been since that original investigation in 2019, they have been on television on other platforms, but our particular investigation was featured on paranormal court on camera because of the evidence that we had um, unearthed at that investigation. But one thing I can say is, there are a lot of minor spirits there and it's a brotherhood and they're all there together doing what they did in life. And when we tried to move them along, we did have many that wanted to go into the light, but there were many that didn't want to. And because of that brotherhood connection, they stayed behind and they didn't go, which, which, which was very interesting to have that happen, that they were so connected with each other that they didn't want to leave anyone behind. So they just decided to stick together and stay, stay in the mines, but it's not, it's not a bad feeling in the mines. Then, I mean, I know one of the shows that was on television kind of made it sound like, Oh, there were mean miners and really made it out to be a negative place in my opinion. And I didn't have that experience whatsoever. None of the team members did. It was just a great camaraderie brotherhood. They were happy. We were there. They did want to be acknowledged. They did want to tell us, how they passed supervisors in the mines wanted to explain to us how they tried to save their men and they lost their own lives in the interim, that sort of thing. But I didn't feel anything like angry or negative in any respect. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I've heard is because, Oh, I have friends here. You know, I don't want to leave. Oh, my- hi. Right? Yeah. I have friends here. Exactly. That's right. They, yeah. they just felt like, um, well, they, they, they also thought that we were friends. So they accepted the fact that we had, because we could see them and we were acknowledging them that they would, they could trust us, but yeah, they're, they're all their friends and their buddies were there. And so they didn't want to separate. They didn't want, of course, cause you're going into the unknown, even though we're there and we're telling them um, it's, it's accepting and love and your, your family members are there waiting for you. It's still the unknown for them. And the mines is something that's familiar to them. They work there for however long they work there for their livelihood. So they felt comfortable there. And like you said, they were, they were with their friends and their, and their brothers and, and they just didn't want to part. Yeah. Yeah. And I can also see to your point, the unfamiliar is scary and the known is known. You know what you're getting at least, right? Yes. Um, okay, good. And then I know you were, you, you know, you gave the tip of acknowledgement, But, you know, to someone who is new to the paranormal world and they're experiencing some encounters, maybe at their home, place of business, what have you, you know, what are some other tips that you would give them in order to, you know, accept the experience in the right, in the right manner? There's, there are certain things that somebody who is new to this and doesn't really know much about paranormal that they should do. 
that you can do that are safe. And then there are other things that you should stay away from. The safest thing to do is if you feel like there's something in your house and you're uncomfortable with it, you can sage your home and salt the perimeter. That's there's there's nothing that's going to come to harm with anyone in the home by doing that. But if you want to get more extensive information and delve into it a little further on how to deal with it, my first suggestion is don't do it yourself because you mm-hmm. really don't know what you're dealing with. There are things that mask themselves as children or um, nice things that really sometimes aren't. But it's just not really a good thing for someone who's not familiar with investigation to do it on their own. There are so many paranormal groups in the communities where you live. I mean, all you have to do is Google it yeah. and it'll pop up in your area and you can reach out to them. And they're always jumping at a chance to get in to do an investigation. I mean, I just when somebody reaches out to me I'm like, yes, when can we come? Because that's what we do. That's what we like to do. And we know what we're doing and we have the equipment and Everybody in the team, 90% of the team members are sensitive to some respect. I mean, I do have a few people on my team that are just there because they, they like the history of things and they like the experience and they, they have that drive, but some of them are just not sensitive. But when you have all those energies together, it's amazing what you can unearth. And, um, you know, an ordinary person in, in somebody's home doesn't necessarily have that, that, um, that experience, that equipment and all that. So exactly, exactly. And you do want to be safe, especially with something as sensitive as this. I totally, totally understand that. Um, Okay, great. And then, you know, I know you're the founder of the Lady Ghostbusters and how did you really even start a whole team and just get everyone together? And how did that formation come, come about? It was that first investigation in the Sterling Hill Mines. I was speaking to the president of the mine. And he's like, you guys can come in the mines and you can do an investigation. Bring your paranormal team here. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. And I'm like, shit, I don't have a paranormal team. So I had a scrounge to get one up. And what I did was I would always go away on weekends with friends of mine to go and do investigations in different parts of the state, like overnighters with the girls kind of thing on haunting weekends. And we had done a local investigation not too far from my home. And I was still in connection with the paranormal group from that event and reached out to them and said, hey, do a couple of you want to come along on this investigation with me? And they were like, yeah. And then I reached out to people that I had interviewed for that first book because they were just ordinary people like you and I who were very gifted. And I thought, well, maybe some of these girls would like to get involved in an experience like this. I mean, how many opportunities like that pop up in your lifetime? And so I, I think at the time I had interviewed Oh God, so many people, but I I think I reached out to five of the women and three of them came that night. And so that's how the group was started. It was, it started with like six of us or seven. And then over time, as I interviewed other people who were kind of like, um, not, they, they were, they were very interested in, they were sensitive, but it was my gut that told me, "Hmm, let me ask them if they want to be a part of the group. You know, maybe it would have been something that they said, like, oh, I've always wanted to do something like that, or I've known I've known I've been sensitive all my life, but I've never had the opportunity. And so that's when I kind of go with my gut and say, hmm, would you like to participate? And so we've grown since then. I mean, people have come and gone and people move and their lives change and that kind of thing. But we've had at one point in time 20 people that were a part of the group. And not all 20 come on an investigation but not everybody's available all of the time. So let's just say I, I was planning something for next week and I posted on our lady Ghostbusters page and say, who's in? And then 
we'd get the group going that way. So, cause we usually like to keep it depending on the size of the building. If it's a small building, we'll keep it down to like three or four people. But if it's a larger building, you can have more people because we kind of spread out um, on the different floors with our equipment. And, and then I kind of check in with the different groups to see how things are going, that sort of thing. Right, that makes perfect sense. And again, that's something that did come organically, right? You realize, oh, I need a team. And then let's see who's interested and so on and so forth. So I like that. And then I did see you also. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I did see you also have men on the team too, right? Yes. So just ladies. Yes. <laughs> um, we do. And they're, they're, they're paranormal investigators with the Lady Ghostbuster teams. They, they don't really mind that it's called the Lady Ghostbusters. So. <laughs> semantics. I, I get that. There um, you go. Yeah. And then um, I do know that, you know, you did mention your book earlier. Um, and I know that it was about, you know, the findings and the community coming together and all of that. Um, but what other, what are you working on any other books or do you write for anything else? You know, it has your, cause I know you are also an author. So has that expanded in any other ways too? For oh, sure. That? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned to you, I grew up with King and, and Saul and Kuntz. Those were my inspirations. So when I was writing, I was writing horror, but I had romance in it too. So that first book is paranormal romance, dream a little dream it's called. And that actually took place in Sussex County where I live. So I kind of used my community in that book. And then when I took that that um, left-hand turn there and decided to write about the ghostly hauntings, Sussex County Hauntings and Other Strange Phenomena was born. And it was only supposed to be one book. And the next thing I knew, I was writing a book too because people loved it so much and wanted more. Mm -hmm. And then I was getting people reaching out to me with stories from different counties. So I've been accumulating folders with different stories from different surrounding counties. So I ended up writing Warren County Hauntings and Other Strange Phenomena this past winter. It came out um, on Halloween. Mm. And now I'm writing Sussex County Hauntings 3. So that's a, becoming a third book. And I am in the midst of my, my second paranormal romance. I do have a children's series that's due out this winter. So Oh, lots of stuff yeah. in, in the woodwork. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> and it's also cool that you know there was like a need there that people were asking for it and they were so interested and um yeah I think that's really cool too because it is a community effort then when you're getting sure. to that point of it and that's really fun awesome and then I do know in terms of like services I know hey you go to people's houses you go here you go there but is there any other types of services outside of that that you do if it's more like a one-on-one -on -one? kind of experience or if you could elaborate a little Me bit personally or the group on a whole the group on a whole well everybody comes with their own their own special talents mm -hmm. so and I don't consider myself nearly as talented as some of them and and some of them have a lot of experience too like 40 years of experience doing mm -hmm. different things so some of the women read tarot some mm -hmm. of the women uh cleanse homes they know how to go into homes and, and cleanse which really comes in handy like Jackie Hanley she she does house cleansings and we did an investigation at one point that there was a really mean spirit in the house and the woman was worried because she was having new tenants move in with the young child and she didn't want anything to happen. And when we did our investigation, we found the spirit was really not nice and didn't want to leave. So Jackie came in and did a cleansing and locked the home so that it couldn't get back in. And it ended up working out just fine because people moved in and didn't have any issues with spirit. So 
that worked out. Is that what you, you meant yeah, by other things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I, I figured I'm like, you have a big team of people, so it's gotta be, it's not just going to be like one size fits all, which is good because to your point, you know, there's people who are coming in with different concerns. So you kind of need that diverse group of people to really tackle um, the concerns in the best manner. I would, I would guess. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And then really to kind of piggyback off of that, who would you say this work is for just anyone who's encountering spirits just around them? Or is there any, I, what I'm getting at more is, is there anyone who's getting maybe possessed or something to that effect? Do you touch that? Is that something separate? That's not anything that I would take on. Mm-hmm. I know that there, you know, are a few people in my group that would be able to tackle it, but even they don't feel confident because you're, you're taking on the task of possibly harming yourself yes. and if you're even if you know what you're doing so that's left to the experts that do that full-time and we all have full-time jobs we all do things this is something that we do on the side so if somebody comes with an issue like that we definitely um, relay them the information and the person that they could go to to help them with something that difficult right at least you know someone who could tackle it in the best manner sure well we have we have the institute of spiritual development here in sparta and it's a huge church that has a huge array of different uh, groupings and classes and experts in different areas so if we didn't specifically know somebody referred them to that's the place that i usually recommend to go to for advice and suggestions about how to handle certain situations. Right. Good resource to have. Definitely. Um, And then this is something that just came to mind based on our conversation. Um, Just because, you know, you do have access to spirits in terms of, you know, you have, you're, you're sensitive to it. Right. And so is your team members. Um, How has that changed your perspective when relating to just regular humans, just regular people? I, I feel like that would kind of give me, you know, a different, perspective on life on death on why people are the way they are is there anything that's ever like an aha moment like that I know this is kind of like an abstract question but something that's kind of changed your Uh, perspective on people if I can if I can understand what you're asking Mm -hmm. I I guess I could say I'm an empath and it -hmm. took me a long time to understand and accept that I am and for the longest time I just felt like hmm I'm just really sensitive. I'm very emotional. People just trust me and spew their guts to me. It's nothing special. And then after hearing one person after another, after another saying, you're gifted, you're an empath. It was like, hmm. And then one day I just had this aha moment. It was like, ah, oh my God, now I get what they're saying. So I think that in that respect, that was my experience. I think that's the same way for a lot of other people. Like earlier, you were saying to me that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're gifted and if you're, you're sensitive, but there are some people that are kind of skeptical believers. And a lot of times um, somebody doesn't believe it until they actually experience something. I was talking to somebody else about that today. She was saying, she was a reporter from a newspaper and she was saying, you know, if I hadn't had my own experience when I was renting a place with my friends of something happening in that place. I wouldn't believe it today. And it took that experience in that house to say, hmm, I believe in ghosts because she herself is not particularly sensitive, but 
she was like, oh my God. And it wasn't just one thing that happened. I mean, they lived in this house for what, two years and thing after thing after thing kept happening. And it was just too many things that happened that they couldn't explain. That was enough to convince them that there is something to the other side. And so, you know, the whole, we could have a whole discussion of bringing religion in. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian woman. I believe in, 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 in God and Jesus is my Lord and savior. But I also believe that somebody who's sensitive and has these special gifts is a gift from God. And I know that technically that goes against any specific religion, but I believe that, that these are gifts and that they're not something to be um, shunned. Yeah. And I know that that goes against a lot of different things, but it is what it is. I also believe in reincarnation and a Christian's not supposed to believe in that, but I do. So, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, using your gifts for good, you know, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's really important. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that don't. And um, I really do feel like we're given this gift for a reason and we are meant to find out what that purpose is and use it to the best of our advantage. So yeah, I'm a writer and I write, but I also have been using my writing to get the message out there. And I'm not only giving these people who own these homes that have these experiences, the acknowledgement. For me, it's about getting the spirit, uh, the word of the spirit out there and getting them acknowledged and telling their story. So whenever I do go on an investigation or if I am writing a chapter on a specific place and I get to go and visit it, the first thing I do is tell spirit, "I'm, I'm getting ready to tell your story. Yeah. You know, and um, I hope I do it justice and I hope you're proud of me. And if you have anything that you want to say, now's the time for you to do it. Right, right. Because well, I hope that answered your question. I hope no, it I totally does. Go off on a t- it totally does. That's what I wanted because it's like, it's something that it changes you as a person because it's not an experience that everyone's going to have. Um, and right. it's something that is so just, I feel like pivotal. It would just change you. It would change the way you look at things. Um, viewing, like I said, viewing life, viewing death, because to your point, you do believe in reincarnation. Not everybody does, but it's like you, it's kind of like, how can I not believe in it based on all of right. And you know what, Melissa, it happens. The universe picks the time that's right for you too. I mean, some people know from a really early age on and they're, they're brought up in a home that nurtures it and they are, are using this gift early on. And some people don't realize it until later on. And like, for me, my, the example with me, was that I just did not know until I was 30 that Mm -hmm. this was happening. And it was later in life that it did. So Mm -hmm. it kind of like, you know, that's the way it worked. And I just went with it. It's when the universe picks it out for you that it happens. Which is a good thing to keep in mind too. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people are like, well, to your point, you, you had some hints, right? You had some hints when you were younger, um, but, yes. you know, it didn't come to fuller fruition until you were an adult. So I think some right. people are like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not gifted or this and that. And it's like, well, it could come when you're 70 years old. You don't, <laughs> you don't know. And if you, and if you're openly, if you're openly receptive to it, then more power to you. You know, I, I know that when I was younger and I had these premonitions, I, I scared myself into not really learning more mm-hmm. until I was 30 when my father came to me on the day that he died. And that was kind of the Mm -hmm. awakening moment for me. It was like, okay, dad, I got it. You know, I, I, now I know. And so from that point on, I did, I wasn't afraid anymore. And 
it was later in life for me. What can I tell you? But it is what it is. And so uh, whatever time I've got left, I'm just going to do whatever good I can with the time I got left. Right, right. No, I think that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty much, you know, what I wanted to kind of cover, just what you do, the experiences you had, how it comes about, um, and just how it, how it's kind of changed you as a person too. What, was there anything that, you know, you wanted our, the listeners to know about you or what you do that we didn't get to? Well, I do have in my books, I have um, other strange phenomena chapters, and it enables me to write stories about different topics that are in the strange category. So um, it's not just limited to ghostly, and it's not just limited to my community. And so I've written about near-death experiences, and I'm writing about reincarnation, and I do write about those visits from out deceased loved ones and Bigfoot and UFOs. So if there's anybody out there in the community, no matter where you are in the world or around the country, I am ma- creating chapters about those stories, and I would love to hear them. And you could just uh, email me at Ellen, author Eleanor Wagner at gmail.com, and I would love to hear your story. Awesome. And then besides your email address, is there any other place where people can find you? Um, Absolutely. My website is authoreleanorwagner.com. And I do have my own podcast. It's called Eleanor Wagner's Strange and Scary World out on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. And you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And on April 14th, I will be premiering my live show, which is called Creeping It Real. And it's all about ghostly. I love it. Love that title. That is <laughs> kudos. I know it's hard to come up with a country. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, great. <laughs> Alrighty. Somehow I lost the camera, so I'm really sorry. I tried to get it back up. I don't know what happened. I know uh, we can hear you. We can hear you. Okay. <laughs> it's all good over here. Um, okay, great. Um, well, Eleanor, I want to thank you so much, you know, for spending time with us today and really sharing your story and what you do and, you know, giving our listeners a little idea of what they can do if they come across any spirit, spirit friends. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. Yeah. And this is just another great example on how spirituality and the use of different methods and teachings can really make great changes in your daily life. As always, if you are looking for a way to relieve stress and anxious thoughts or looking to gain some clarity, you can always book a Reiki energy healing or Akashic Records reading session with me at thenewagegoddess.com. Much love and namaste. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.